Hi, I'm Eamon Fennell. On this episode of The Hot Ball with AIG, I'm going to be sitting down and talking to Dublin legend Pat Gilroy. I'm really excited about this one, obviously, with Pat being a former manager. We're going to have a look back at his time as a player with Dublin, uh, manager with Dublin footballers and hurlers, and a look back at his playing career and winning in All-Ireland with St. Vincent's as well. Hope you enjoy it. All right, Pat, welcome to Hot Ball with WGA and AIG. Uh, on this episode, we just want to talk to you about your career as a player with both club and county and then moving into your career as a manager with the footballers and the hoarders as well. So I think we'll, we'll throw back to reeling in the years and start in the 90s of when you actually started to kind of get more involved in the Dublin team in regard to getting the jersey, what that felt like, and then 95 just that feeling of being a player and experiencing in All-Ireland with the team that you had around you over the last four, four or five years. So when you first came into the team, what was that like? Well, I came into the team, first of all, in 92. So it was after the four-game saga in 91 with me. Then I suppose it was it was a very strong Dublin team back in the early 90s. Like we were in the National League finals and, you know, I suppose the the team had started probably to come together in '89 when they played Cork, uh, got beaten in in uh, an All Ireland semi final by Cork, and uh, it was a particularly strong group and it was one that required uh, I suppose a little bit of luck to to get over the line eventually in '95. We had great years. I mean, we we certainly from '91 to '95 they were they were great times. I mean, you, you obviously we should have won more. Uh, we we had definitely more in us to, than one All Ireland, and uh, I think it was big regret of everybody who played at the time is that we felt we, we, we left a lot of All-Ireland behind by probably our own mistakes in terms of even some of our preparation and our own, you know, I, I suppose in some cases we shot ourselves in the foot completely. Um, but they were, they were great times, you know, we we had a great run. We were getting into the league finals, All-Ireland finals every year. Um, but by the time it got to 95, it was becoming a real burden to get over the line um, and it was more a sense of relief in 95 um, a little bit like 2011 that we finally got there um, but it, you know it was a team that it stuck at it and uh, you know the the emergence of the teams from Ulster at the time was was a big change in the in the GA landscape like we, we we never played Kerry for instance Kerry just didn't exist at that time I mean it was Cork had a had a you know a decent and a strong team around that time, and obviously Mead were very strong. Uh, and then you had all the Ulster teams appeared, so it was it was a very it was a good spread at that time. You know, like the All Ireland moved around every year in the first five years, so it was it was a difficult championship. And I mean, it was straight knockout uh, at the time, so you could be out on the first weekend in June. So it was there was there was a different intensity to the the way you prepared. Like you had to be really. Certainly Leinster at the time, like Leash were very strong in Leinster at the time, as were Mead, and Wicklow had a decent team. So you didn't get an easy ride in Leinster. Like Leoth had a very good team as well at the time. Uh, and they were all very close games for us when, when we were playing those Leinster games. We were we weren't coming out with ten or fifteen point drubbins. They were they were tight matches. Um, so the, fa- the fact that it was knockout, you could get caught, uh, and you know we didn't play too many games in Crow Park either. You know we were we were you we were travelling around the country uh, right through the Leicester game, so it was a very different environment. But you really had to be flying, and I think it was one of the 
the big the big things was because Leinster was so competitive. Uh, you know, once you got out there, you were expected to win the All Ireland almost, but but it didn't happen. You know, because Meath had been very strong in the late eighties. Uh, you were expecting that teams from Leinster would continue to go on, but we were we were the first to do it in ninety five. Well, speaking of that Meath team, what was it like being in them games? Because like I think the majority of people who you managed in two thousand and eleven, you know, the reason why they got involved in Dublin to some extent was them unbelievable games against me to play in them it must have been just the best experience ever yeah, well I, I only came in after the, the the 91 the four game series in 91 but we played we had serious matches against them the following couple of years you know uh, actually each year I think we played them each year in Leinster and they were they were dogged games I mean the physicality of those games was just phenomenal I mean you were you weren't right till Wednesday uh, after those games. I mean, it was just so intense. I mean, if you look back at videos of it, it may may not have been as quick as the as the game is today, but the hitting in it was just phenomenal. Uh, uh, I'd have great respect for that meet group of players. You know, they were they were honest. They they would absolutely do anything to you know win on the day. But afterwards, once it was over, it was over, and there was no grudges or there was there was a huge respect between the Dublin players and the Mead players from, from that time uh, and you know it, it they had to hand over Dublin for a, a good few years and then we had to hand over them but it was it was so close every game was so close um, but there was great I mean the the, the build up to those games was phenomenal because you knew it was going to end up being a point or two and it was just doggy dog um, but they, they were a great they were, had a huge respect for them the way the way they carried themselves was was always very impressive but like the, pre- the preparation from them games so like a preparation for I know you said Leash and Loud were kind of strong but preparing yourself for Mead over the likes of a Leash and Loud what was the difference because I'd say the hype around it was, was unbelievable and it's probably something that you brought into the team around 2009 and 10 but how would you actually prepare for that Mead game because you know you're coming at, you, you said you, you came in at just a time where it was becoming to the four like the four game game and then obviously off the back of that just I'd say it was just the hype around it all was just huge yeah I, I suppose you didn't you didn't get a chance to get wrapped up into any hype that much you, you knew you were going into something that if you weren't right or if you were half going for a ball or if you if you were sort of in any way off you were going to end up hurt you know so you were bracing yourself for a genuine battle and a war and that's the way we went into those games like it, it was there was just huge physical stakes and I, and I think you probably noticed it in training that you know when whenever you know we'd be playing me the the, the game the Saturday beforehand would be a hugely physical affair with, with the A and the, the B team uh, playing each other uh, it would always ramp up because because you knew that's that's what you were facing the following week, um, but there would have been you know we we did back then like we did a lot of video analysis. I mean it was it was literally videos and you had to stop the video and move it forward and back. But the, the management team at the time and Jim Brogan did a phenomenal amount of work on that front. The likes of Jim and Bobby Doyle, I think did a lot of the video work at the time. But like they did a huge amount of analysis of what what Mead were about and uh, you know from '92 to '95 we beat them every year. Um, and I think a, a lot of that was down to how we had scrutinised it. But, you know, apart from that, you you steeled yourself for what was going to be the big physical game of the year, you know? Yeah, and then to kind of get over that and to, and to get over the, the, the burden of the All-Ireland as well in 95, 
as a player, what does that mean to you and the team that have gone through so much hardship over the last few years? Like, you know, the, as you said, the Northern teams are starting to emerge and becoming really dominant with Down and Donegal, especially. So beating Tyrone, beating a few of them, them teams on, on, the, on the way you did and coming up to the All-Ireland final, it must have been just... Like, I know I got to experience it in 2011, but as you said, it just must have been the weight of the world off your shoulders. Uh, it was, it was. And, you know, we had been knocking on the door. Like, we were getting caught by a different team each time. You know, it was Donegal in 92, then Derry in 93, and, and down in 94. So it was different teams were catching us. It wasn't like somebody had a hoodoo over it, but it was it was a huge relief to get over, get over the line in, in 95. And I think probably... We may have played better in the 94 final, if it was to be honest. We had probably a better performance. We just didn't finish. Uh, we, we missed a lot of chances that day. and We probably had a more complete performance uh, and we probably should have won won that game if, if our shooting boots were on. But uh, 95 was one of those games where people, again, dug in. We were down to 14 men. And, uh, you know, our work rate that day in particular in the second half was phenomenal. Like, I mean, there was fellas getting shut down all over the place, uh, you know, because it was a real rear guard action. But it was it was a it was an unbelievable feeling, you know, again as as a player, you know yourself, it's just um, that feeling at the end that you've all, all the efforts that have been put through because for, for that team, for me, it was it was four years, but for a lot of that team that was eight years on the go, a lot of them had got together around 87, 88, you know, the Keith Myers yeah, yeah. and Hears, all of them. So they were eight years on the road and they were getting, you know, they were there or thereabouts in each one of those eight years. So uh, to finally get over the line, it was, it was fantastic. And the aftermath of all that, so like you stepped away after 95 then, didn't you? No, I played 96 and I played the league in 97. So you weren't soon after. Was it just, no. after the reason why you stepped away, was it just because... The demands were getting bigger, work life was becoming a bit more pressing, or did you just say Yeah, no, work life. I I, I was getting married in ninety I played the, the, the league in the winter of ninety seven and then I packed it in in early ninety-eight really. Uh, but I was getting married that year and I was also starting up my own business and just the whole lot of it wasn't going to be able to mix. And I suppose at that stage I probably had 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 not I wasn't enjoying it as much. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was. Uh, I suppose that we, we had a, a, a troublesome two years between '96 and '97, uh, with a lot of transition within the team, which was right. Do you know what I mean? The new people needed to come in, like Karen Wynn. They added a lot to the team, and we had unlucky defeats. You know, again, funnily enough, to me. Um, but it, it just became the, the the team became a bit fractious, let's say. And uh, you know, for me, there was there was other things that needed to be done in my life. And I was enjoying club football, so I, I, I made the decision to, to step away. Well, well, on the club football, you, there was a bit of a barren spell there for Vincent's as well when in around the late 90s and up till the time you won it in 2007. Like going back to the club, was it always just the ambition just to try and get that championship? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean... When when we were minors, like say my my age group are minors, we were used to seeing the, the seniors winning every two out of every three years. You know they were winning a championship um, right up to like eighty three, eighty four, and then you know it just it, it, a run. I mean if you look at Vincent's the amount of minor championships we won before nineteen eighty four, I think we won eleven out of twelve years. So you'd be saying to yourself, well look, 
that's going to carry on into senior. And it just didn't happen. Um, and I suppose as each year ticked by, it got more and more difficult. Um, and like we came close a number of times to, to, to get into championship finals, but we weren't even getting into championship finals. We were beaten in semifinals and quarterfinals. And then eventually it, it got to a point, I suppose, in, in, I think it was around it was 99, where we got relegated from Division 1. Uh, we got a good hammering in the championship as well. But, you know, it, it, it caused a complete change of people left um, and, and retired. And a whole load of young guys came in probably the biggest influx because the guys who had won All-Ireland in 80 or got to an All-Ireland final in 83 or 84 with, with Vincent's, uh, a lot of them had, had stayed on playing then for another 10 years um, and we hadn't got success, do you know what I mean? But but there wasn't a huge amount of influx of young people and then, then we got hit like in a heavy way by emigration. Um, you know, uh, the likes of Kevin Fagan now and Eddie Lamb, Keith Doyle, guys like that who had won a lot of minors all went to America at the same time and they, they would have ripped the, the soul out of a group so there was a big gap between ages you know we had we had years where we didn't have anybody uh, on this on the senior panel and I think when we got relegated it was a, it was a real case of it was a real shock to the system of, of everyone in Vincent's and I think it doubled down efforts and I think within two years we had got we got back up straight away but the likes of Mossy and Kevin Golden came into the team around that time and it made a huge difference, but but it still there. It still took five or six years to, to finally get over the line. But how 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 tough was that? Because you're such a club man, and you're after experiencing the high of winning the All Ireland with Dublin, and all you want to do then is go back to the club and try and get that with the lads that you grew up with. And you've seen such a change in mouth management with players. You've seen the likes of Goldie and Mossy coming through. So you just keep getting renewed energy when you see these people coming in thinking right I'll give it one more year give it a go uh, or are you just like I'm out there getting married kids friends get out and play football keep me sanity kind of thing no I, I tell you I love, I love playing do you know what I mean like you, you can't be playing like the, the, like you get such a short period of time in playing and particularly with the club fellas that you've grown up with um, it, it, it there's just there's nothing that can replicate that you know so for me playing with the club was never, ever a chore. You know, uh, you get annoyed and you'd be really disappointed in a year where, you know, a lot of us, like we had a very strong team, you know, around 98, 99, we had a very, very strong team. And again, we were unlucky. At times we should have beaten an Aaron's Oil team that got to an All-Ireland final that year in 98. Um, they beat us after a, a replay in the semi-final. But it was just, you know, you, you always felt, well, it, it's worth it's worth staying here because I, I enjoy it. And, and certainly if, if I was starting to waver, maybe when we got relegated, you were starting to think, you know, maybe you're part of the problem. And, and you know, I, I was coming up to 30 then and you'd be saying, well, look, you know, if there's somebody else better to take your place and fine. But there wasn't really too many people floating around at the time. So uh, staying with it though wasn't difficult. Um, I mean, there was very disappointing seasons. Like there were, there, there were years where we just felt, you know, you actually knew you were going to go out and get beaten. And that was so unusual for a team from, from Vincent's to be sort of taken to a championship and say, you, you may have been 12th on the, the, the list of teams that were going to be contesting the, the championship, which was, was really, really unusual for Vincent's. But then uh, the, the impetus of the likes of Mossy and, and, and Goldie and that was, was phenomenal because, you know, we went through, we won every single game in Division 2 
uh, and that gave a big boost of confidence back into the into the overall group and kept other older fellas keep kept going then as well you know well you're, you're like nearly what 20 years on the senior team just like 2007 when you won, when you won the all Ireland. like over that time span there mustn't have been players that you've seen coming through the likes of uh that full forward line that you have with Massey and Dermo, there mustn't have been like players that you just look at and you're happy to play with. So like moving the full forward, for instance, what was it like just to be lined out beside them two? Because like Dermo was just coming onto the scene, but Massey was around playing unbelievable football for a couple of years just yeah. before to that as well. Like, oh, well, look, it, it, it was phenomenal when they, when they came in, you know, uh, Again, our scoring at times caught us out. Like we, we were Vincent's, even all through those years, we were always a decent defensive team. You know, we could, we, we, we weren't. It was one year maybe that we, the year we got relegated, where people ran through us. But apart from that, we were, we were fairly decent defensive wise. But when those kind of forwards came through, like Kevin and Dermot and Tomas, and then obviously we got Brian Maloney and then Tiernan Diamond, like. You had real class. Now I was playing mostly at midfield when they all started, and like the half fellas that were looking for the ball and, and and able to win their own ball. You know, you give them half decent ball, they they win their own ball and score. It was it was a huge boost, and you'd be saying to yourself, "Well, there's a fair chance of having some success with this team." Um, but like Dermot himself was was just a phenomenal. Uh, I never forget his debut was a senior game out in St Mark's, and uh, it, it was it was like. St. Mark's were in trouble from a relegation point of view and would be a tough team at the time. Like they would have had a strong, strong, decent team. And uh, he was only, he was tiny. I mean, he was 17 years old and skinny. And I think he scored 12 points from play. Um, and it was left and right, six of each, I'd say. You know, he, he was just phenomenal. And I said to myself, well, this fellow, now, he was completely different. And, and Tomas's contribution, I mean, in that year that we got out of Division Two, myself and, and Kevin Golden, they, they, they were kicking freeze for fun. Um, and it was a huge boost because you knew yourself then, you know, we have a real chance of competing here. And we did get to a championship final then in, in 2002 and got beaten by UCD. But, you know, you knew that the team was going the right way and with a few more players. And, you know, I think Jeremy arrived in 2005 or six. you know, would have been when he, when he started. And you could see it was gathering momentum. And then obviously Mickey coming in was just completely transformed it. Yeah, well, that's what I actually wanted to talk to you next about was Mickey coming in. Like, What difference did it make having someone like Mickey in charge? And who was it Mickey's call to move you full forwards? Or was it just your own decision to say, look, I need to change here. I need to... Uh, no, it, was, it was completely down to him. Like he, he would have tortured me every now and then and moved me out midfield for the odd game just to, to for, for fitness purposes. Um, but no, no, that was completely down to him. Uh, I, he, look, the man is infectious. Like he, he, again, part of the, the reason I think Vincent's won was he, he took a 21 team that won a championship where we hadn't won a 21 championship in a long time in 2006. And... You know, just the way Mickey goes about it, your, your skills just improve, everybody's fitness improves, your attitude improves. Like he, his, his whole way of being is completely infectious. And, and, and once he got his hands on it, um, it, it was just fantastic. Uh, like, I think the mood and the camaraderie within within that group was phenomenal. Uh, it, 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 okay, we, we didn't get over the line the, the first time against UCD, um, but, but 
you know, we had left everything on the field that day. We were we were so unlucky not to win the, the championship uh, in, I think that was 2006. But the seeds were laid for the following year that, you know, we were definitely going to, to give it a good rattle and, and, and then we went on to win it. But like, after that then, when you're like, you, you've won it, you're moving in and the Dublin job becomes vacant. Like there was obviously rumours saying that it was Mickey's job and Mickey wouldn't take it unless he had someone like you come in and then you took you took leadership of it. What way did that conversation go? Did you say, right, this job's for me now in order to get that, I need someone like Mickey involved or did the county board go to Mickey first and then it just all started formulating into something you wanted to get involved into? No, uh, I mean, it was, it was, I was not thinking about uh, I was I was actually had just started to get involved with uh, the under fourteen team in Vincent's because I had retired from playing football once the All Ireland was finished, and I, I really was I was happy to be doing a juvenile team like I would have been coaching different juvenile teams before that, uh, but I was happy to get involved with the under fourteen team which would have been Cameron Diamond and Tiernan Diamond and them or not Cameron Tiernan and Turlock um, were were on it and. Uh, I just got a call and I was asked, would, would I be interested in, in the job? And I was totally shocked. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that way at all when, when it was uh, vacant. So I went and I met John Costello, um, who was Pat O'Neill, um, and um, Kevin Heffernan, and uh, Robbie Kelleher was there. And, uh, you know, it, it was a conversation, what, what would you do? And I state what I thought we would need to do and that it was you know it was going to be a big task to get over the line there'd been so much like to be fair to Dublin through that period Dublin were getting so close to professionalism that had come into the Dublin setup for over the previous seven or eight years was phenomenal like Dublin from a preparation point of view where we're, we're getting up there with, with the rest and and there was just this other gap to make the jump um so that that was where it started but I wouldn't have dreamt of doing it unless I knew Mickey would, would have come in with me um, because just his experience and that. Uh, and I don't think he would have been keen after his previous experience to be the manager of it, you know, but he was very happy doing the coaching. Uh, and he's phenomenal. I mean, he, he's just a great fella to work with. No, he's, like, and it's still to this day, a great guy just to bounce ideas off and talk to him. Like, yeah. I'm kind of blessed to have him still around the club. It's just yeah. he's with the Camogie team and not the footballers, but, yeah. you know, he's still there. But, from from that discussion with the panel, I know how close you were to him. So, like getting the vote of confidence for, from him, did that give you the kind of confidence to go, yeah, well, look, this is definitely something I want to do you now when you have someone like Hefo that's backing you? Yeah, it, it would have. Uh, I, I suppose it was, uh, you know, the, the more important thing was, was who you're going to have around you. Uh, and like when, once I knew Mickey was there, and we had sort of a lot of things and connections into the ECU at that time. I felt, well, it, this is the right thing to do. And, you know, you don't get asked to do something like that too often in your life. And it, 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 it's very hard to turn something like that down. So, you know, I, 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 I sort of live my life with not trying to have too many regrets. So, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't worried about it from a, a confidence perspective. It, it was more to make sure that you were doing the right thing for the county and, and you know to have the right people around you because the manager is one thing but the coach is absolutely critical but how do you get the right people then so like you brought in Paddy O'Donoghue and Nugent and uh, you, you kind of seem to have a, a change in the 
people that were there on their pillars tenure, you know, you kind of wanted like bringing Podge in, making some adaptions to like the backroom team with psychologists and all that kind of stuff. Had you got all these people kind of earmarked or was it just that you said, right, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, I need to get people here to kind of counterbalance that? Or what was the pro- like process to picking these people? Uh, look, what, what, what we did very early on was try and lay out a structure of, of who would be responsible, what, what jobs or tasks needed to be done from logistics right through to analysis, through to nutrition, through to strength and condition and coaching, and then agreed who, who would start to take responsibility for those. And obviously Mickey covered a multitude of things and could cover a multitude of things, but he needed to put a little bit of a structure underneath him. And he had some people in mind that he thought would be good. I spoke to a lot of the guys who had worked with Pillar as well. Uh, and they were incredibly helpful. I mean, both Pillar and Tommy Lyons at, at the time were just incredibly helpful in terms of their own experience and sharing the, the honesty and openness from them. Was, was was really, really helpful because they were pointing out to you some of the things that, you know, they would have done differently and some of the stuff that they would have continued to do that, that really worked well. So you were building on the foundations that they had put in place and then trying to, you know, add bits to it that, that may make the difference, you know. And a lot of it was, you know, obviously I knew Paddy well and I, I had, uh, you're trying to also geographically cover the city as well to make sure that you're you're, you're getting to see and you know politically correct overall, which we're be politically correct no but you know you want to get a, a good coverage over uh, a good balance between north side and south side of what you know, I, I probably had a, a fair advantage at the time having just finished playing that you played against all the players that you, you were now going to manage so you would have had a fair idea. I would have had a better idea than most because, you know, you, you're literally, you've seen everybody in, in certainly in Division 1 for, for a number of years. So you would have known, I would have known personally a lot of the players that, you know, were, were playing with Dublin. But but to have that as players came through was, was really important. Like Paddy's knowledge of Gilmacud and that whole area was was a huge advantage, as was Paul's. Um, so, you know, you, you, you really do identify out what are, the task like we had an organizational structure of what we needed to cover, what we were hoping to achieve in each of those areas, and who was responsible for what. And I really believe then when you when you had good people, you let them get on with their part of the job and try to interfere as little as possible. And you obviously had to as the manager say, Well, actually, look, I really want to do something like this. Can we adapt this part of the program? But the whole thing was coordinated through a central plan that we that we did up every year. Um and again, Mickey would be great, uh, you know, in terms of those plans because he would always say, well, if these guys look tired or look wrecked, I'm going to stop. I'm not following the plan, you know, or, you know, if I feel that they're not putting it up, I'm going to add to the plan. So but he, 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 he had that, he has an incredible ability to look at a team and say, they're starting to go stale or, you know, they can take a bit more. It's just, it's an innate ability he has because he, I would say every single team that, I was involved with him, that he trained. It was never fitness or, you know, peaking. That, that was ever a problem. He always had the team bang on. But like, it, it's getting, it's probably too, too kind of pronged in a way when I look back on it. You kind of had Mickey and the structure from the training, strength and fitness to the analysis. And then you had the commercialization that happened as well, like bringing, bringing in the big sponsors, bringing in the revenue, uh, and the kind of roles that like Mark and Podge play, like, was that a big focus for you to get that piece right as well? Like to have 
be able to have the people to run the team, but then to have the money to run it the way that you wanted to run it. Was that always part of your ambition and goal? I think I think it was. Like to be fair, again, John Costler was brilliant to work with. Um, he, he he would try as much as possible to do anything that you you asked that was within reason. But there was there was a whole distraction. There was a whole jumbled up way of of, of doing the commercials piece that I felt just needed to be corralled a bit and and uh, put a, put a bit of a structure around it to both cover like expenses like trying to build a, a dressing room which was which was a you know a bad need and um, but also the, the the training weekends away and stuff like that it was important to start to put a structure in that and there was loads of people that helped i mean as soon as you set it up people got involved in it and grabbed it with both hands so it was it was just to get that coordination i think what tomas has done you know since he became employed with with, with dublin ga is brilliant and it's just complete common sense to get that consistency right through um, and and nobody then no one individual is benefiting too much either out of the whole thing that it's it's more about being for the collective you know uh, and i think it's an important part of it. it it's another strand to this thing that if you don't deal with it it, it can become a distraction and, and, and you know you can't you won't achieve what you what you really want to achieve and, and, and speaking on the collective there and that culture change like like I was definitely there in a time where people were looking to try and get as much money as they could from a gig, like, you know, and you definitely knew some players were getting more than others. I didn't ever feel there was an air of resentment, but, you know, there was obviously players that were getting much more looked after than other players. When you came in, you kind of said, right, this is like, and I, I'm going to use Bernard as an example. Like Bernard's the people, all the sponsors are looking for. But in order for Bernard to do what he needs to do, there's 14 people behind him that have to get him the ball to get him in the position to be able to kind of score the goals and score the points that he does. So from you, from that culture change, was it important just to make sure that no one was bigger than the team and that to get that right, that was a crucial component of the success towards 2011? Yeah, well, I suppose like the, the the facts of the matter are, it is a team game, a team game, and no one is bigger than the team. Like that's that's just that's just the way it is. No, there's no team that there's any one guy you know is going to be bigger than the team, and, and that is the way it is. I, I suppose one one of the things was to confront some of these things and talk about them because you say there mightn't have been resentment about certain things, and and there was, you know, it was an underlying thing that was in few people and it niggled at a few people around it without it ever being something that they spoke about and sometimes just speaking about those things and then the people who they may have thought were getting more than almost they didn't think at all that that could be a resentment so just even having those conversations uh, and making people aware because you know if no one's saying it to you you might blissfully think well this doesn't have any effect on, on anybody within the team and so getting those conversations and managing them in a way that people felt they were being fairly treated because at the end of the day, you also wanted, you know, people who were doing the work to, 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 to be rewarded. The best way to reward people who do work was to play them. Do you know what I mean? Like when, 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 so for me, the more important part, like the commercial part was one thing, but the most important part was getting the work ethic on the pitch and people understanding that it was all around that, that that's where they got their ultimate rewards. And then everything could flow from that once they, once they started to work for each other. And that, that was, that's a very easy thing to say, 
but that was a, a thing that took a, a long time to get everybody absolutely on board with that. Um, yeah, I think that kind of work ethic approach and seeing the players get rewarded for actually the hard work that they were doing, there's definitely one player that stands out when I think of that, and that, that was Flinner, like in his transition from 2009 to 2010, and then the four All-Stars in a row, like, did you just see that change in someone like Flinner straight away, where you were kind of looking after 2009, and I'll come back to that in a second, where you go, that obviously hurts, that a lot of people pissed off, and it's obviously you more than anyone, but like, 2010, right? You're you're just going different approach here. I need players who are going to work and not players that are just going to tug it on the day and do a job that I think. I need people to go above and beyond as well and getting that. And no one did that more than Flinner, in, in my opinion. Well, it's funny that you, you asked the question. Like in 2009, we were trying to do the approach that we ended up having right through the, t- the 2010 and 11, right? But uh, I, I would say one of the big difference was we were talking a lot as a management team at that time about what we were looking for with the team uh, to play in 2009. And when we weren't under pressure, we were getting that. We, we were actually getting performances that were similar to 2010 and 11. You know, we had some some very good performances in 2009. Like the, the performance against Kildare was a phenomenal uh, performance because we were a man down. Um, so there was a lot of what we tried to implement, let's say, ultimately, that we had started in 2009. But I think we were talking too much ourselves and it hadn't really sunk in to the whole group what that actually meant. Because when the pressure came on, they sort of reverted back to doing a little bit of their own thing. So I think a big change for us was to start to really make sure that the group understood exactly what that meant and the only way we could really make sure that the group understood was to start to ask the team more and more what all of those aspects of the game actually meant to them and it was only through you know a, a, a big change in, in in the dialogue where where you're starting to get feedback you say well, that isn't actually what we were thinking in terms of let's say marking a man or whatever it was from a defensive perspective so you started to see chinks by by starting to really ask a lot and both it was Mickey and myself I mean you were there yourself we started to ask a lot more questions to get a lot more clarity from the group because we were clear in our own heads but it wasn't translating into the group so I think that was a a big transition in 2010 that I would have said by the end of certainly by the end of 2011 probably pretty much anyone within the group could have got up and said here's the game plan do you you know what I mean And, and could have directed people to it but it was it was spending time and, and and not to let it go where people were a bit loose with their language or a bit unclear and, and to spend those times in the dressing rooms and then make sure that it translated out onto the pitch um, and ultimately to make sure that we pick people that that you know were actually delivering all around the areas that we had, had agreed as a group where were the key pieces to to get success. And does that, like, to get that, do you have to bring it back to just saying, like, to what you did, to say tackling? That's it. Just get your tackling right. If we get our tackling right, we can start working on the other areas. But, like, <laughs> I think we must have played Monaghan about six times uh, between October and December uh, in 
absolute worst conditions with a referee that had no cards in his pocket. And the focus, obviously, was just about getting contact on the man and improving our tackling. Was that just because, one, we needed to get a bit more physical, but two, from an instruction point of view, you just need to get one message right and get that whatever will make the most impact on the team. And that impact seemed to be contact tackling. Was that the way you kind of looked at it? Yeah, well, see, I think a big big thing when you look back at 2007, 8 and 9, we would have noticed in the, in the I suppose, the, the, the All-Ireland Series games, the quarter, semi-final and finals, the refereeing got to a point where the tackling was a lot more physical and a lot more aggressive than you would get away with, say, in the National League or, or even in the Leinster Championship. And the stakes moved up quite considerably. And a lot of it was down to when you got the ball, there was a huge amount of contact going on and referees were letting the play run. And we probably didn't put enough of an emphasis on that in, in 2009 of the effects that that could have. But to really get the team moving in a direction, especially after such a heavy defeat, there was definitely a case of we need to get one aspect of this game right. And, and, and largely it was down to a defensive mindset from 15 people. But that wasn't about having 15 men behind the ball. It was about when, when the opposition got the ball, it was trying to take it off them, but get it, get it forward as quick as possible. So, you know, th- there, were, there was a couple of things there around contact tackle, but also defensive structure and how you positioned yourself uh, when, when the opposition were coming at you, especially when they had extra numbers. Um, there was things that you would have assumed that people would be on the same page as, as intercounty players, but they would have just, as, as new fellas came in, they had a different view of that was. I, I don't know if you remember, we asked people, what, what does Mark and a man look like or, or feel like? And five fellas gave five different answers. You know, some were going to be goal side, some were going to be in front, some were going to be to the right, some were going to be, you know, it, it, it was it was, it was was a crazy situation for us. And, and you know, we've, we've done a year of it that we didn't have it very clear in everybody's head what it meant when, when, when the ball was moving through a phase, where should I be? Um, and if some of that is innate and, you know, a lot of fellas will, will have made the right decisions, but to have a defensive structure that, you know, at least you can shut down conceding goals was was also a very important factor, as well as having the contact tackling. So so you're then you're building on, you know, uh, building blocks of getting certain parts right. And the National League in 2010 was all about that first two items, getting those two things right. And then you know we spent an awful lot of time trying to get kick passing right uh, after that from a progressive perspective. You know, I remember the tackling uh, when we were really trying to hone in on that, uh, perfect it, and, and get a better understanding of what it was, what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, where Mickey brought out the tennis balls, and we started throwing them around and trying to take the tennis balls. And I think I went over to you and said, "Pat, Mickey's up to losing it here. We, I don't know why we have these tennis balls out." And uh, you said, "Well, what do you do when you have a football? You said, Just tackle like that. And what do you do when you have a tennis ball? You have to go in and grab it." I was like, ah, there's a method to the madness, like you know. So yeah. it just kind of shows, that, like the one of Mickey's strengths that he was a bit more forward thinking than most people, and uh, as I said, a method to the madness that ended up working out for us, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, but his 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 his, his whole coaching of that aspect of the game was was brilliant, you that know, he, the, 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 and all of the different drills that he he built around it. That he, he was actually tricking you into to, to tackling 
when you unbeknownst to yourselves, you know what I mean? And he was starting to get get really good technique. So uh, you know, he's just brilliant at it. And, and like all this kind of domino effect of the tackling coming together, the clarity coming together, the kick pass and uh, the cohesiveness of the team, you know, as that kind of starts happening one by one by one, did you just see that crescendo happening in 2011? Like, could you always envision that just unfolding? And I wouldn't say unfolding the rider over moment the way it did with Flicko kicking the score, but could you just always see that at the end of this, like, this is always going to happen? There was never a doubt in your mind that we'd get there. Yeah, no, I, I, I like from, from, the time we started to, to get things together at the start of 2010, there's no doubt after 2009, that winter, you spent a lot of time soul searching and thinking, where, where is this going? Um, and I suppose getting down to hard graft and, and as you mentioned, those Monaghan games were hugely beneficial. I remember one of them was was a, a night, I think Ireland were playing a qualifier game or something. And, and I'd say we were the only other people out in the whole world. It was absolutely <laughs> teeming down rain. And we were up in Inishkeen, and um, it was it was a brutally physical contest. But I, I think we, a lot of fellas cut their teeth during that winter. Um, and, and to me, once we played those first couple of league games, I was I was fairly confident that this this was a team that was going to go on and and be very successful. Uh, and you know, a little bit like '95, you needed a little bit of luck to get over the line in the end. But you know, a proper analysis of that 2011 game say to you by halftime we should have been in a much stronger position we, we played really really well um, and, and we probably should have been ahead by a fair bit but we didn't take all our chances that day um, but we did come good in the end but you know over over that 70 minutes if you look at it in very close detail Kerry had a dominant spell for in, in the sort of the third quarter but outside of that we, we had really uh, managed the game very well so I, I was very confident throughout 2011 that we were, we were certainly going to be successful. I thought we would be successful in 2010, though. I, I, I thought after, you know, as the qualifiers rolled on, I thought we would we, we might have had enough in us to uh, to push over the line. No, you weren't far off it anyway. Uh, but like de- definitely in 2011, uh, you know, getting there and that kind of weight coming off the shoulders because. There was a lot of lads there for, like I was there since 2005, but there was a lot of lads there since 2002 and even 2001 in some series, like Clucko and Mm -hmm. Gallon might have been there then as well. So like coming off the back of that then, and we enjoyed 2011 and the aftermath win the All-Ireland. Now we're coming into 2012 and Mickey's decided to step down and that's obviously kind of had an impact in, in regards the team set and backroom team you've had to make changes one of the most grounding things for me was I think I have it documented at 42 training sessions in January and 36 in February now I was coming off the back of being away in Thailand and uh, partying a bit too much in December and November was that just a big grounding experience to say right lads the ride's over we're going to train morning evening morning evening and I'm going to make you sweat all that badness out of you. Or was it- yeah. I, I, I think it was, um, we, we were certainly planning to uh, put a heavy bank of training in early in 2012 Absolutely. and then then completely ease off uh, for a period of time. And I don't know if you remember, but 
probably the April and May timeframe wasn't actually that difficult from a training perspective. We, we didn't do as much. And the idea was that we would put the bank in and then really go and peak uh, come August, September. And we nearly got that right. Like we, 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 we knew that we weren't going to be able to do what we had done the previous year. It needed to be something different. Uh, and I would say, you know, the, the second half of the, the Mayo match in the semi-final that year was as good as that team played, you know, except it just, we didn't read 10 points was too big of a lead to, to get back. But the, the team was motoring and, and physically was finished that game so, so strongly. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say personally, I, I would have, I, I, I didn't put enough time into Mayo myself that, that, that particular game and that that's something that again Mickey probably was apart from just the training he, he was a great man at the game by game and I'd say I took my eye off the ball that I felt Donegal were so strong and, and they were doing so much damage to teams that <clears throat> I had an eye on them in terms of the way we wanted to play and I didn't I didn't spend enough time on Mayo to to uh, make sure like I would blame myself very strongly for, for allowing them get that 10 point lead because I, I just I hadn't pushed the same focus and it was probably the one game over my whole time that I, I certainly looked at them and certainly had done a, a certain amount of homework. But me personally, I hadn't spent enough time on it to uh, stop a situation like that arising. Like I didn't see the, the danger that their forwards could have, could, that they did uh, do to us that afternoon. So it would be one thing that I would, I would certainly pin on myself. And it, it's where Mickey would have been excellent, you know, because he, he'd have been probing and asking more uh, about them and uh, I, I mean I, I, I had spent a little bit too much time looking at Donegal and uh, seeing them as, as, as the real danger that year so it's something that I would certainly hold up my hand on, on that one Did you did you know that was going to be your last year? Like, did you know 2012 you were going to finish up? I, I did halfway through sort of around the June time frame work changed and uh, I I had to start doing some work in the UK and then I was also doing some work in America uh, and I knew then it wouldn't be sustainable um, the following year. So probably from the June time, I never said it to anybody now, um, but I knew myself that it wasn't going to be uh, sustainable to keep doing the team after that. So did, did that play a factor at all? Do you think that just why you took the eye off the ball? With, well, look, I don't think you took the eye off the ball with Mayo. That's a harsh way of saying it, but like no, no, but but I, I did, but I, I was, I was, I, I don't, I don't think it was anything. I was actually, I was so obsessed with trying to make sure nobody caught us. I was spending so much time on Tony Gall. You know, I was traveling up watching their games in the Ulster Championship and watching every video that I could get my hands on to make sure that we had enough things in our armor. And so at times in training, I was actually asking, you know, Niall to create situations that would deal with their. Um, challenges as opposed to what Mayo could do. You know, we had a decent gap to that that match, and uh, I just it, it'd be one of the things that you know, looking back on it in reflection, uh, it was it was something that I, I, I had never done before, and I, I think to be fair to Jim, it's something that he never did in any of his his games. It's just one game at a time, and, and up to that point, I'd say I, I could have honestly said that we had treated it that way, you know. So stepping away then. Uh... I imagine that's tough, like to after all the success of 2011 and even the success of where the team got to in terms of the players that were coming through, being developed, uh, the culture that was the culture change that was after happening. 
and just you could see that kind of crested a wave of the likes of Jack uh, that you brought mm -hmm. in towards the end, Kieran coming in. It must have been just so hard to step away when you knew the next kind of golden generation were coming through and it was going to be really, really, I suppose, challenging in some ways to kind of see that happening as well for you, like, you know? I, I, it was totally different to that aim. And for me personally, I knew I couldn't do it, right? Because work-wise, it just, it, 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 it didn't work. It just finished, you know, the recession was just finishing and, and the company that I was working for at the time had been very good to me right through that time you know, especially with the time they'd allow me to Dublin. So they'd asked me to try and help with some problems they had in the UK. So I knew I couldn't do it. Um, and then you look at it and you say, well, if I try to hang on to this, I'd only be half doing the job. So it, it was made easy for me in a sense to be saying, like, because I physically just could not do it. Um, and, you know, you're, you're always disappointed to be walking away from something. But knowing that you, most likely there was going to be Jim coming through and what he had done with, with the 21s, you felt the team was going to be in a very safe pair of hands and they were going to go on and have success. And it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch that success. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, there was no tinge of sadness in watching that success. It was, it was just fantastic. Every single game was brilliant to watch. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there like uh, four years and it was, it was, it was great. Um, now obviously, 11 was was fantastic but i totally enjoyed 2012 as well like we 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 had we, we put in a huge shift in 2012 and made a great effort to defend it from the first time um but i, I would have had no regrets walking away you know it, i i did give it my best shot as i said to you i probably took the eye off the ball in terms of trying to make sure we could master donegal in, in my own mind but it was it was a great ride and then to watch the success after has just been phenomenal I think like we're kind of all fans before we get into it and we end up as fans like you know to see yeah. it, like that happening the way it has happened has been just unbelievable and even the players that we would have like 2011 you managed and 2012 when playing with the likes of Jack and Kieran it was great to actually say I was involved with that I've been part of that as well like yeah. you know so I, I, I've I, I know coming off the back of that, uh, for me personally as a player, when you still think you can have an input and you can have an impact, that that's tough. Like, you know, and I've talked to Alan Brogan, who's probably the only player I've ever known that's got to go out on the best terms ever, scoring that yeah. point against Kerry. So there's very few people that get to go out the way they want to go out. And I'd imagine as a manager, that's, that's the same as well. But, you know, you kind of look at then what's next and... <laughs> Corners seem to be next for you. Then how does that happen? Like, well, I suppose like I, I would have liked, and I, I would go to hurling as much as football. Even even you know when I was doing the football, like I, I would have played hurling and football right the way up till I was twenty one uh, with Vincent's, and I, I would have always liked hurling. You know, probably as a kid, I preferred hurling to football. If I was to be brutally honest, like when I was in school and probably because we were more successful at Hurling as well. You know, we did we had a very decent team in school and in the club. Won a couple of, you know, under 15, under 16 championships. So it always a huge interest in it. And, and I felt, you know, with, with where the Hurlers were at at the time, uh, again, when I was asked, would I be interested in it? I felt, you know, these guys really could just do a, a bit of structure and a bit of organisation. And they can go a long way. Like there's there's a, a great talent in, amongst that group, and it was a, it was a big challenge because they were 
I never went into a group of people like in a sense the footballers had had a, a sort of a considerable degree of success do you know what I mean um, and so they had a certain amount of confidence in themselves there was a certain lack of confidence but they had a certain amount of confidence in themselves and never went into a group that was as down as that particular group on themselves and it was unnecessary like they, they shouldn't have been as down on themselves you know but but their their confidence was shot as as individuals and um they just they, they had lost belief in 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 themselves and and part of that was the cooler guys weren't there as well do, do you know what i mean so who would have had a lot of confidence so when they were not there then it was like as if jesus like the, the world is you know really beating up on us here um, but I, again, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the year. Unfortunately, work circumstances changed for me that, that summer. I would have loved to stay doing that because uh, it was a massive challenge and they were such a great group. And again, Mickey was, was brilliant with that group. Um, like I think some of the things we achieved with them in a very short space of time, because a lot of things transpired against us between injuries and, and not having the cooler lads. Like we had them for about four weeks. Um, and we really gave the championship a fair rattle and, and I think it restored their confidence back as a group that they know they can compete. And I think ultimately as a county, we, we should be able to have a successful hurling and football team all the time without, without one damaging the other. You know, it's uh, the, res- the results in that championship running, they were so close. Like, that must just give oh, yeah. a bit of confidence within the lads anyway, like, you know, knowing that you're... Well, it was. I mean, we, we, the first day out against Kilkenny was such a travesty for us, you know. To yeah. See that goal near the end, it was just, it was it was so unlucky that they'd outworld Kilkenny, well outworld them all that day. Um, and, you know, the one, the one thing about Hurland, like, it's, 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 there's, there's a lot less tactics in Hurland that you can, can employ, you know. A lot of it is down to the lads really, really committing themselves to win the ball. There's so much more 50-50s in that game, you know, because the, the ball is travelling so far. Um, but I, 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 a great admiration for, for, for that group. And, and I think they will go on and have success. I think Matty is, is doing a, a, a fair old job with them. And I, I really look forward to the day where both teams are being successful in Crow Park. Because I, I think as a county, that's what we should be aspiring to. Do you know what I mean? Like it's there, there's so much hurling played in, in the county, and it would often would have annoyed me just listening to my own kids that they'd be saying, "Well, I'm only going to pick football because there's only chance of winning something with football," and that shouldn't be the reason for picking a sport. It should be because it's the one that you're you know best at. You should we should have in Dublin. I might view uh, the ability to be to be winning both. You know. Well. You'd be glad to know that that's the end of the interview. Uh, we went over time, uh, but I suppose that's only a testament to your time with Dublin as a player, manager in both codes, and even your success at club level that we've we've managed to cram as much as we have into 55 minutes. So, look, my name. Yeah, well, I, I always enjoy catching up, and I probably have a million questions that I could ask you uh, further on this, but you know, for me, looking back at it and looking back at your time as a player, as a manager of club and county, you've been hugely successful in everything you've done. And I think that's transcended into business, into your family and into everything you do. So, you know, look, I'll always be grateful for 2011 and what you've given to me. So, like, thank you for this. It's been really enjoyable. I hope everyone else that's listening enjoys this.